Thanks for tuning in. You're now listening to the latest podcast from House SF. For more information about House and our heart for the city, please make sure to visit our website at www.housesf.org. You guys ready? Yeah. Warmed up with worship. Now we're ready for the word. Like Emery said, we've been in a series. It's like nine-week series. Wow. I don't even know if you could call that a series anymore, right? That's like we're going for a marathon, the Guinness Book of World Records, but nine weeks, because we, we actually, nine weeks ago, we took, chose to take a detour. God said, I want you to just focus in on me and Holy Spirit, and we did, and we started to focus in on Holy Spirit for weeks until he said, shift and go somewhere, somewhere else, and then we stuck with spiritual gifts, and we've been with spiritual gifts ever since. And it's been incredible. Has anyone else enjoyed this? Am I the only one? Yes, love it. We have learned so much. We've had a chance to talk about gifts, finding out our own gifts, and kind of beginning that journey for some. For others, it's been really trying to, you know, foster those gifts as well. But I guess I'm just going to come out and ask you a question as we start this morning. With all of that knowledge, with the nine weeks that we have under our belt and what we've been going through and the revelation, it's been amazing. What are you doing with it? Crickets. What are we doing with it? And I'm asking this to myself as well. What are we doing once we find out this information? What are we doing once we have this encounter with God? Is it just sitting back or are we actually doing something with it? Does our lives look different? Do they actually reflect the knowledge that we've received and the gifts that we've been receiving from God? Are we doing anything differently? In Ephesians chapter 4, I love the way Paul says it. He says, Christ gave these gifts to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. Everybody say, so that. So that. that. He gave these so that. So that the the body of Christ would be built up. He didn't give these gifts for us just to stockpile. He didn't give us gifts just to say, I found out my spiritual gifts, finally, now I can go get my Enneagram and find out what that is. No, right? He gave these to us to build up the body, to build up the church. We should actually be using these. We're just going to take it to another level, because as if it wasn't good enough that Paul said that, we're going to go to Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 through 16. In my Bible, this is in the red writing, which means pay attention. (laughs) Jesus said, you, you, for a second, look at your neighbor and tell them you, you, you are the light of the world. Tell them you are the light of the world. You guys sound so, you're the light of the world. (laughs) You can say it with some excitement. You are the light of the world. Jesus said that. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Some of you might, right? Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. I want to look at that one last time. In the same way, let your light shine before others. And in my, my translation, it actually is the older one. It says, so that. 
they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So that. Again, we see those two little words, so that. See, that implies that there's purpose behind this gift given. Or there's purpose behind all of this. You're a light of the world. You are the light of the world so that. So that others can see. So that others can actually come to know the living God. So that. You're probably going to get sick of me saying those two words by the time that we're done today. So that. That sums up our faith. The cross was so that. We took communion this morning so that we can remember, right? The cross was so that we can be set free from sin. It wasn't just for Jesus to die and hold that over our heads. It is so that. The grace that we've been given is so that. Are we all on the same page? Yeah. You with me this morning? Yeah. Getting some nods. This is good. See, the, the gifts that we've been given, the impact that they have, not only the gifts, but the impact, what do they do? They affirm Jesus to the world. Our gifts, they affirm Jesus, and not only Jesus, but they affirm his promises to the world around us. That's to me, that's to you, it's for us, it's for everybody. Our gifts can affirm Jesus to everybody in this world. Outside of these doors, they can affirm Jesus to everybody. People will realize that there's a living God. Oh, and he is alive. He's very much alive. And he listens to us. And he loves us. That's the so that. So that we could reach the world. So that we could affirm Jesus in our own lives, but then to others as well. There's a friend I had from Australia. Um, we were like the most odd couple ever that became friends. He's this amazing guy. He's the company stylist for the company that I worked for. And here I was, I was like the facilities guy. I was like the venue manager, and then he was the stylist. So we were always going bumping heads, trying to get stuff done. Ultra creative. He's, yeah, he is amazing. But he found out that I was a Christian. And he wasn't too big on that wasn't too big on Christians altogether. So we started talking, and he's like, you guys are just weird. A lot of you guys that work in this company bother me. And they're hypocrites, because none of them actually love people. So the more I got to know him, the more he allowed me to share, and the more he understood that I was semi-normal. And that I genuinely liked him, and... <laughs> Thank you for laughing. <laughs> The jury's still out on that one. But the more that we started to hang out and work together, he started to open up to hearing about my faith and wanting to actually know more about my faith. It was really neat. I remember one time we were sitting in this vehicle for, for work, and we are sitting outside of a venue, and I really got to share with him. And he's like, Craig, if people understood that that's what Christianity is really like, they need to know this. They need to understand that church is actually different than what is portrayed and all the bad experiences. Like, somebody needs to know. My friends need to know because if they actually knew that this is what church is about, they might actually go. Come on. Yeah. But so much so, this openness started to begin in him. And I just would continue to encourage him and try and build him up and just be there for him. But it actually got to a point where 
he received some bad news. His only sibling, his older sister, came back from the doctor with a report that she had cancer. So he comes into work, and he's obviously been emotional. You could see the tears in his eyes, and he walks straight up to me. He says some choice words, because he's obviously upset, and he's just like, I hate the world, everything in it, you know. I said, can I pray with you? He's like, I, I would love that. So we go outside, and he let me put my hand on his shoulder, and we started to pray in front of our, our office. And this is like the headquarters for this company, so there's a lot of vehicles coming in and out, people coming out, and people are walking by, and their eyes would like get super big all of a sudden, because they see me outside praying with this guy, and everybody knows this guy. You all know this guy. He makes himself known when he walks in a room. So people saw him, and they're like, what's going on? And then not only like, is Craig praying for him? But this guy is actually agreeing with what Craig is saying. So we prayed, and it was beautiful. It was such a neat moment. And that was great. But the one thing I remember saying was, I want you to know that God's going to answer this, not because I'm praying, but because he loves you and your sister so much. And once I said that, I don't know about you guys, but if you've prayed bold prayers like that, Something inside of me, like, I think my just heart just went to my throat, everything. I was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I just said that. This guy's <laughs> on the fence with his faith. And then I just told him God's going to answer this prayer and heal his, his sister who has cancer. Not because it's me, but because God loves them so much. So I come home and I tell Anne Marie, and I'm like, I might have just thoroughly screwed this one up with him because I feel like we're in such a good place. It's taken like two years to get here with them. Well, I don't hear anything from him for like three days. But then all of a sudden I receive the text. The text. I pick up Anne-Marie from school at the time and we were headed home. And I remember looking at my phone and just being absolutely blown away. I said, friend, thank you so much and thank you, God. Cancer free. Amen. God healed his sister. And it blew me away because even though my faith was wavering in that moment, for me to pray with him, that was a so that. So that this man could understand that Jesus loved him how he was wasn't wanting him to fix himself up and make himself proper first, that God wanted to lavish his love upon him the way he was, him and his sister. And he did. So I got to encourage this man. I got to prophesy over him, speak life into him. He got to see me exercising the gift of faith, which even, like I said, I walked away thinking, what did I just do? I can't believe I just did that. But then we experience a miracle that God is a God who heals still. Yeah. This man had Jesus, the living God, affirmed to him because of that moment. Yeah. And it wasn't something that I did, although, yeah, I stepped out in faith. It was something that God responded with. But he affirmed Jesus to this man, and not only to this man, but to his family and to his friends. Because, have you know, a story like that is not going to just end between me and that man. 
he's going to be telling everybody he knew that his weird co-worker prayed for him <laughs> and that his sister all of a sudden, they couldn't find cancer and she was healed. That's the so that. We have these gifts. We've been given the Spirit of God in us so that. For moments like that, so that we could pray for people and people will be healed. Just like today, Anne-Marie said it. In atmospheres like this, in these church services, we need to actually put it out there early that anything can happen in these services. Anything can happen in worship that when you walk in and you feel down that you will be built up with hope by the time you leave. Better yet, if you come in and you are sick and you need healing, that God is a God who heals and God can still heal you and he will heal you whether someone prays over you or not. God will deliver us from whatever we, go, we are going through and anything can happen in the presence of God. I wonder if the, the element missing from some of our journeys today is that one step of faith. Maybe we've received something and we figured out our gifts and we're trying to operate our gifts. So maybe it's just we're missing that one step of faith to actually activate something inside of us. To bring us to an entirely different level of our faith where our faith is not just in our head, but it's outworked in, through our heart and our lives. Yeah. You're with me? Yeah. Imagine if we were a family of sons and daughters operating in our spiritual gifts. Imagine that how this city could be impacted, how our families could be impacted, how our workplaces could be impacted, our schools. Think about that for a moment. If we were a family of sons and daughters of the Most High God, and we had that revelation that we're actually, we are sons and daughters of God. We're not, we don't need this poverty mindset that we need to beg God for anything. God has given this to us. He's called us his own. And if we walked in that, if we walked in these gifts that he's given us, imagine the impact that it could have on the earth. Anyone else here want to be a part of a family like that? Yes. Yeah? It should be easy though, right? It shouldn't be easy, right? We, we've heard about this and we have the Bible, so it should be good to go. We've learned about the Holy Spirit, we've learned about the gifts, so... Ta-da! Easy step. On to the next thing, right? I want to propose something to you. I really believe that for us to get to that place, that place of actually operating in our spiritual gifts, we need a shift to take place. We, we need to move from this emotional encounter to action. See, so many of us have been emotionally moved in services or when we hear sermons or during worship. And we believe God touches us and we believe we feel the presence of God in these moments. We've been emotionally marked and moved. But then when we get home, what actually takes place? Do we actually take any steps in our day-to-day? -day? Or is it just we put it on the shelf and remember it as what it was? Oh, that was such a powerful moment. And when I hear that song, oh, it feels so good. But do we realize that we need to activate these things? We need to step out in faith and we need to take action. A.W. Tozer, a well-known theologian and pastor from Christian and Missionary Alliance, um, he once said this. He said, 
Revival comes when, no longer satisfied just to know about a God in history, we meet the conditions of finding Him in living, personal experience. See, revival is a renewed attention or interest to something. And Tozer says, revival actually takes place. Our shift focuses in on Jesus when we decide that knowing a God of history isn't good enough. Learning about God just isn't good enough anymore. I want to live with God day to day. I want to move with God. I want my life to be intertwined with him all over it. I want to live in his plans and his purposes. That's when revival takes place. So many of us cry out, we want revival in our worlds, but then we're just sitting back and we're just waiting for it to take place. Revival does not happen without motion, without movement. We need to take a step. But we get comfortable just sitting back and waiting, God, waiting for you to move. I'll pray, God, I'll wait for you to move. See, the so that we referred to earlier that Paul mentioned and that Jesus mentioned as well. It's an invitation to a life of more. It's an invitation to something so far greater than we could just achieve on our own. That's so that is an invitation to live a, a life of purpose with God. To live a life on mission, to share the gospel, to be the gospel to the world around us for people to come to know Jesus. I'm going to get real with you for a moment. past few months I was asking God, God, what do you want to do in this church and how do you want people to come to know you? What do we need to do differently? What do we need to do differently? Do we need to be more creative? Do we need to use more marketing, use more outreach? What is it, God? God, what is it that you want to do? Because how many of you know when we ask him, He's going to answer. And it might not be in our time sometimes. And it might not be the answer that we actually want. But he's going to answer. So I asked him, I'm crying out in my own devotional time. God, what is it that you want us to do? Not only in church, but what do you want me to do? And he answered it by saying something so simple, yet quite profound. He said, Craig, put me on display. That's it. Put me on display. What people hunger for and they desire is me. They might not even realize it yet, but what they desire is me. What they yearn for is me, and I am the only one that will fulfill that. So you put me on display and people will come and encounter me and lives will be changed. See, God has already given us what we need to see that done. He's given us his spirit. He's equipped us with gifts. He's already given these things to us. It's as if he's given us the keys and he said, just go and open the door and walk through it. But what we tend to do is we tend to acquire and accumulate gifts and keys because it makes us feel good. We achieve something. We have this. I could talk about this. Maybe... This will push some of my insecurities to the side because I know that God is moving through me in this way. But we kind of just pile them up. It's like if you were given keys to a car. 
You're not going to just hang the keys up on your wall, right, and say, I have keys to a car, I have a car, and never drive it. Right? Some of us, maybe, we live in San Francisco, so I need to take it. <laughs> but let's be real for a moment. You wouldn't just take the keys and put them up there and, so I can look at it every time I walk in and out of my door. I have a car. Don't do anything with it. We actually need to take the car out, put fuel in it, and drive it, right? The irony, it's a lot like this necklace that my wife gave me for Christmas, these giving keys. It's almost like we get the keys, God's given us these keys, and we just hang them around our neck. We don't even use it. We don't even use it for what it's there for. But we use it as like a memento or something to make us feel good. We've been given these keys. What I want you to think about this morning is there's actually lives and people's eternities on the other side of you using those keys. On the other side of you stepping out in faith, somebody's life could completely change. What's the names, what's the faces that are on the other side of you stepping out of your comfort zone and allowing God to use you? It reminds me a lot of in Matthew 16, Jesus tells Peter, he says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. We quote this a lot, all throughout church. But Jesus tells Peter, out of all people, right, the guy who denied him not once, not twice, but three times, and got out of the boat, remember, sunk in the water. Same Peter, that's only Peter. Tells him, I'm going to give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. It's really interesting because during this, in this passage, the whole context of it all is Jesus approaches the disciples and he says, who do the people say that I am? Who does everybody say that I, Jesus, I, I am? And they're like, well, some say that, you know, you're, you're John the Baptist. So, you know, some say Elijah. Some say even Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He's like, all right, but you, who do you say I am? And out of all the people, Peter spouts out, you're the Messiah. You're the Son of God. You're the Christ. And in that moment, Jesus says, I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven to Peter. Peter has this great revelation, this emotional encounter where all of a sudden a switch goes off inside of him. And Jesus says, I'm going to give you the keys. Right? But even figuratively, what Jesus was saying to him, this authority that had been given to him, he would still have to step out in it. He'd still have to step out and do something with it instead of just sitting back with these keys. I actually see it all, like so similar to us in our journeys. Because we have that encounter, we've been moved emotionally, and God gives us these keys. But then we have that moment. How are we going to respond? It's like we're standing there. We find ourselves in a similar place as Peter. We, we now know these things and we now have these keys. But what do we do? What's the next step? Action needs to be taken. We need to activate these things that God has given us. We need to activate these gifts that God has given us because they're not going to do any good on a shelf. 
We need to step out in faith. See, Peter has this revelation. Jesus says, I'm going to give you the keys. And if we actually go along with Scripture, what happens next? Acts chapter 2. The activation. Spirit of God falls in this place, but doesn't just stop there. What happens next is Peter takes action. He goes out and he preaches to people, and over 3,000 people give their life to God because of Peter preaching and being faithful. I know you can hear that and be like, well, that's Peter, it's the Bible. Of course, he stepped out and he did that. Of course, God did that in the Bible, right? But what takes place next is what I want to bring your attention to. If we jump to Acts chapter 4, I'll read with you for a moment. What's happening here in Acts chapter 4 is uh, Peter and John are pulled into like almost like court by all the religious leaders. They're taking them in and they're telling them, you can't preach about this Jesus anymore. And what he did was oh so horrible. Like when he was walking into the temple, they prayed for a man and the man was healed. Can't do that, right? So they pulled him in and they're reprimanding him. But in verse 13, I love what scripture says. It says, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men. Let's hang there for a second. That's us. We kind of have no excuse if we read this, right? These two guys... This was not their profession. They didn't go to get a Master of Divinity at some theological seminary. They didn't go to Bible college. These are ordinary men, but God gave them revelation, gave them the keys, gave them gifts, and they actually stepped out in faith, and God used them. So much so that these religious leaders who had been trained saw that there's something different on these guys' life. They realize they, this can't be. They're not trained. They're unschooled. How is this even taking place? That's the so that. See, you've been given grace and God has saved you so that he could use you like this. What takes place is a life changed, a life transformed by Jesus. The only, and the only way that Jesus could change a life is the greatest testimony we could ever have. In fact, it's the greatest story that we could ever be a part of. A life transformed by the living God. And now some of us will think, well, faith, it's just scary, and how do you move past that all? Faith is a it actually isn't tricky. We make it to be this tricky, big, huge thing that it's, you know, like we said, said earlier, Felicia said earlier, you know, is God not going to heal us because we have, don't have enough faith? A lot of times we look at it that way. And people teach us that way. Oh, you don't have faith. That's why God didn't heal you. For those listening to podcasts, I just rolled my eyes heavily. <laughs> faith 
is the result of surrender, not striving. Faith is the result of surrender, not striving. See, we strive, we want to have great faith, right? But when we surrender and we submit ourselves to God and his plans and his purposes for our lives, faith follows us. Faith is instilled in us. It takes place. It just bubbles up inside of us. And we're able to step out in these moments and step out in faith. The last portion of this verse is what I want to stay on for just a second. After they said that they were unschooled ordinary men, Scripture says they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. They took note that these men had been with Jesus. That moment literally affirmed the living God to these people. For them to take note that these two ordinary men had been with Jesus, they said, something has to be different. For these guys to be doing this, they have to be around this Jesus. They have to be around this Jesus. Church, I don't know about you, but when I read that, I want that to be me. I want people to see me and say, he has to be around Jesus. He has to spend time with Jesus because look look at what God is doing in his life. Look at how God is using him. He has to be around Jesus. That's the so that, right? We do these things. We receive these gifts. We have this revelation. But I choose to not just sit with a key around my neck. I choose to actually get up and walk out of this door so that people will look and see and say, he has to be with Jesus. There is something different about this guy. There's something different on his life. He loves people in a just like unconditional way. You can't just do that. He prays for people in a way that, like, who would even do that? People are getting healed. He encourages people. I'm just speaking this into myself, man, to build myself up. I want to be that. I want to be that person where people will look at my life and say, he has to spend time with Jesus. Craig, oh my goodness. Have you ever met him? You could just tell he sits in the presence of God. And he spends time with his God. It's undeniable. But that could literally be us, church. And Amory and my prayer for all of you is that we would be those people. That everybody in our world, whether it's work, school, families in this city, will look and say, there's something different about Teresa. Your coworkers will come into contact with you and say, something's changed with her. It must be Jesus. And what does that do? That affirms that Jesus is real because people see that change in our lives and they realize that doesn't just happen. You can't just get that from a weekend seminar to feel good about yourself. Something has shifted inside of their world. Something has shifted in their countenance and it has to be God. God has to be real. We all have these stories, but when we step out in faith and we operate in our gifts, there's a guaranteed result. People are going to see Jesus. I'm going to invite the worship team on up right now. I wanted to share with you a story because I'm by no means perfect. I'm so on the journey with all of you. We're all on this journey, but that's what's pretty amazing is that we all are on this journey. 
as a family. Yeah. Side note, I want to encourage you with this. If you're trying to do this on your own, you're going to just exhaust yourself. That's why it takes community. It takes community to actually put ourselves and to be accountable to others and say, I actually want to step out in these things that God has given me. I actually want people to understand that I am changed by the living God. That I've been gifted with these spiritual gifts that I could use to build up not only my community, but the world around me. And people could encourage us. If we just do it on our own, oh, it's just me and God, it's just me and God. That's great, but then there's moments where you're going to need family in your corner. We need family. But there are those times when we might not be feeling it. There might be those Sunday mornings where you feel like church is the last place you want to be on a Sunday. Especially during week one of the NFL season. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, I know. I'll like confess later. But I want to inspire you that even with a little faith, God can move mountains. There's this conference that Anne-Marie and I went to. It was probably about two and a half years ago. It was the last night. How many of you know when you go to these things, like there's so many emotions and amazing moments and the hours are just hectic. You're there from early morning and very long sessions through the night and you're just fatigued, right? So the last night, if you're still there, you're tired. Well, And this is for the affiliation that we're a part of. So this conference wasn't just anybody off the street. This this conference was hundreds and hundreds of church leaders. And so one of the MCs of the event came up to Anne-Marie and I and said, actually, we want you both to be up front to pray for people. We're going to give you some oil and you're going to be able to anoint people with oil and pray over them. And I'm looking at her, I'm like, I'm exhausted And I have, like, zero faith. Like, my faith is, like, (laughs) it went out with, like, the lack of sleep. And not just that, but thinking, I have to pray over church leaders, too, because I'm still battling my own insecurities in this moment. I'm still wrestling with these things. Anyone else ever felt like that? When you have to pray for someone else, or you get a chance to pray for someone else, and you're thinking, oh, I still don't know where I sit with this, but I'm going to do it anyways. Right? So we're praying and we just start praying over people. And people actually, at first, they don't know us and we're like the young couple. So people were avoiding us. And then all of a sudden we see this line. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I just want to sit down. I want to sit down and just sing, play in the background. This young couple comes up, actually this, this young man from Hawaii. And he comes to us, he says, my wife and I have been trying to have a child for years. The doctor tells us we can't now. Would you pray for me that God would heal, if it's either me or if it's my wife, he'd heal us and we'd be able to have this child. I feel like I bowed out and let Anne-Marie pray for him. But in this moment, I, I could feel the heaviness on this guy's heart. Imagine the courage to come up to people he doesn't even know and just say, like, look, I'm at my wit's end. I'm at the end of the line. I need prayer. I need a move of God. 
I need it. I need him to do something drastic in my life because we've been wanting this for so long, yet we see nothing. There's no hope. Well, we just start praying for this guy. And we just start speaking the word of God over him. My God, you can heal. You can heal. I've heard of maybe this happening before. You can do this. I know you can. I might not feel in my own spirit at the moment that you're going to do this, but like I know what your word says and I know that this is you. So I believe that you could do this. He just breaks down and crumbles in the two of our arms. Church leader completely just crumbles into our arms and just starts weeping. We pray over him, we pray over his wife, and God gave us some words of encouragement to share over him. And what do you know? That was it. Sometimes that's the journey of being a follower of Jesus. We have these moments and God open up heaven right now and move in this place. And there might be tears shed and a lot of emotion, but then people get up and they go home and go to wherever they're from, go to their families, go to their challenges that they're facing. Sometimes we never even hear what takes place. But does that stop us from praying? No. It was such a lesson for me, family, because I always want to be the pastor, or the, the, the believer, the brother that's available to pray for somebody, whether I might be feeling it or not. Whether I might see an answer or not, I always want to be the person that's going to be praying for them. That was two and a half years ago. So, three weeks ago, I get this message on Instagram. You ever see, you know, ever get like those messages and it's like someone that you don't follow or whatever and you're like, oh, it's spam, it's some random thing, get a million followers and, you know, follow me, whatever. I had no clue who it was, so I just didn't even pay any attention to it. A couple days later, I open it up, still don't know, and I see the name and I'm like, what the heck? And the guy's picture is kind of weird, like it's like an ultra close-up of his face. I'm thinking, who the heck is this? Well, I finally took a moment to click on the message and I was like, it's actually really, really long. And it begins by saying this. I'm not sure you're ever going to read this. And I'm not sure you and your wife would ever even remember me. But it was over two years ago at a conference in Redding, California, where I went up for prayer. Your wife and yourself prayed over me. And I shared with you how my wife and I had been trying to have a child and there was just no success, no progress at all. But you both prayed over me and prayed for a healing for my wife and I. And you also spoke some words that really encouraged me. He said, and something I felt that night completely shifted my relationship with God. Where Amory and I thought it was just tears, he said for the first time he tangibly felt the love of God in such 
like he just said, I can't put words around it. But I felt the love of God just come all over my body and I lost it. He's like, I just started crying. And I keep scrolling down. And he's like, you know, and it meant so much to me. And he kind of, it's just like small talk. He's like, oh, I saw you got a dog. And da, da, da. Keep scrolling. It's long, ultra long. And the next thing is a photo. He said, well, I want to introduce you to my daughter. Because three months ago, my wife and I had a child. For years, we've been praying and believing. And he said, I believe that that night, when you two prayed for me, God intervened. So I couldn't help myself. He's like, I know you might never see this again or ever even read this, but I want you to see that my daughter is a result of God moving in my life and you two praying over me. That's the so that. We might not always see answers like this, fam, but that's why we do this. That's why God gave himself to us so we could be the hands and feet of Jesus. So we could declare these things over people's lives where people are broken. When people need a miracle and we might not believe in it, it doesn't matter whether you believe in it or not. God is not fussed by your, your disbelief. God is still God. Like your disbelief is not that big of a deal to him. He's still going to answer prayer. He's still going to love people unconditionally, whether you put conditions on it or not. God still wants to answer prayer. And that is the God who has given us these gifts. That is the God that has given us his spirit. So that people will come into contact with you and they will leave and say, that person must spend time with Jesus. They must know this Jesus. Would you stand with me? Usually I ask you to raise your hands towards heaven like you're in receiving something, but I'm going to ask you to do, do it a little different today. I want you to just picture your toes are standing behind a line. And that line that you're behind is accumulation of the knowledge, the emotional encounter. But I believe that there's going to be power in this today if today we step out and we say, God, I'm going to cross over this line. I don't want to just sit in the encounter. I want the encounter. I want to always receive these encounters. I want to have these encounters with you. But God, I want to step out and I actually want you to move through my life. I'm done just hearing about it. I'm ready to see it. And today I'm doing what I need to do. I'm taking action, God, and I want to see you move. So what I'm going to ask is in this moment, while heads are bowed, eyes are closed, why don't you just take a step forward? I know some of you, the aisles are short. But just picture yourself taking that step forward into freedom. Taking that step forward today into victory, into all that God has for you. Father, I'm so grateful for your word, but I'm grateful that you are a God who is near. You are a God who never leaves us nor forsakes us. You are a God who equips us. You are a God where our, your grace that you've given us is so readily available. Holy Spirit, that you live and reside in us, that you empower us, Lord God that you've given us gifts to use, that we are part of your redemption story for this earth. So God, we step into this today. We no longer want to just hear about it. We want to be about it. 
We want to be a part of this story, God. So with open hearts, open minds, Father, we step into all that you have for us. God, so I ask for right now in this moment where there's discouragement, Father, that you would instill hope. Where there is doubt, God, that you would meet that doubt with a double portion of faith and boldness. I speak courage to be released over this place right now. I speak boldness to be released right now in this place. Faith to move mountains in this place, Lord God. That we're going to see the miraculous not only in our own world, but spread out through our families and our workplaces, God. That today is the day that we step into all that you have for us. In Jesus' name. Thanks again for listening to the House SF podcast. We pray that you're encouraged today by this message. If you'd like to partner with and support our ministry, please visit us at www.housesf.org.